Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you this morning. For all of you that prayed for a nice, cool day, thank you. God showed up and answered your prayer. We're glad to see you this morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing a song or two. Brother Ken will lead us. Welcome to Drive-In Services. Brother Ken. We'll be singing I'll Fly Away today. We'll do all three verses of that. We know it so well. I'll Fly Away. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. Thank you, Brother Ken. Let's remain standing for prayer. I got several prayer requests I want to give you today. Again, it's good to see you. Thank you for coming out. Feels good today, doesn't it? Amen. Feels nice out here this morning. Please pray for Sister Debbie Craig. Debbie goes tomorrow for a heart catheterization, so please pray for Miss Debbie if you would. Uh, pray for Bob and Kyla's family. As most of you heard, uh, their grandson went home to be with the Lord, so please pray for that family if you would. Pray for Ricky Eads, uh, Miss Lisa's brother. Uh, of course, continuing to lift up Miss Annette and the family. Uh, in the home going of Sister River Smith, visitation is today. Uh, from 12.30 to 2, the services will be at 2 at Blackberry Baptist, and we're looking forward to helping in that, so you please pray for that service today. Pray for Brother Daryl Hyatt's father. Daryl just shared with us that his father's cancer has returned, and then pray for his sister Betty French's sister, some significant health needs there. If you're glad to be out on a Sunday morning, say amen. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we love you today, and we're awfully glad to be in your house. We're thankful for the opportunity that you've provided. And Lord, we don't count it to anything other than a great privilege to be here this morning. We sure don't take for granted the fact that this platform is here. Folks are ready to hear from heaven. And Lord, though we can't be inside worshiping, God, we can still show up and you can show out. So Lord, we're asking you to do that today. And Lord, we're just going to come to you this morning as humbly as we know how, asking for your presence in our midst. Lord, I pray for the services today, for the preaching, for the singing, 
May it all uplift that precious name of Jesus Christ, uh, that name that is above every name. Bless now in all that happens today. Lord, I pray for the homegoing services today of Sister Smith, that you would bless that family. May your presence be felt there as well. And whatever is accomplished, we'll be quick to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Helbert, you all come get ready to sing this morning. Let me just tell you while they're coming to, to get ready to sing. Uh, uh, Sister Betty Canode gave me the greatest thing I've seen in a long time. After last week of wearing sunglasses on top of my reading glasses and looking like a redneck, can I get a witness? She pulled me aside and said, you know, preacher, they make reading sunglasses. And I said, you got to be kidding me. And then she said, to beat it all, they're sold at Dollar General. God is so good. Amen. Helbert, y'all come get ready to sing, buddy. My wife suggested that I sing by myself this morning, and I suggested that she sing with me. Then I got that look, that <laughs> wife-slash-teacher look, and you see who's up here. So I'm going to try to sing under control for you this morning. Standing alone, you 
you'll find Jesus standing there in your place with a stone of faith your giant will fall and Jesus all the victory will give so today as back then in this world so full of sin remember God as it good that is awesome i just looked at brother ken said i sure wish i sounded like that when i sang amen i'll tell you a quick story to put a smile on your face i may have told you this before but i'm getting to the age where i can repeat myself and you can just smile and say amen several years ago i was at a, a community college in in uh, the the southwest corner of uh, virginia called mountain empire community college and i had a uh, one of our faculty members with us, and uh, this guy's named David Diller, Dillard. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, what's the African-American man I always tell you he looks like? Anyway, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, I'm telling you, it'll pop in in just a minute. It's like a filing cabinet. You've got to reach in and grab the right file. Anyway, anyway. Uh, they kept all the faculty there at this college kept telling him how much he looked like this guy and 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 I was starting to get offended and they were telling him how attractive he was and how much he looked like him and uh, I looked over and I said you know I, I kind of want to be compared to a movie star too I don't think this is appropriate and yeah Denzel Washington that's his name y'all know who I'm talking about don't act like you don't you bunch of sinners thank you baby I'll double your salary today. So they kept saying, we didn't know we were getting a, 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 an event today with Denzel Washington. And I looked at him and I said, you know, I'm starting to be offended by this. I want to be compared to a movie star too. President raised his hand and said, who knew they were sending us Denzel Washington and Pee Wee Herman? I never went back. Amen. Let me give you two or three quick announcements. Uh, some important things. Uh, first of all, I want to continue to say thank you to those ladies and gentlemen who are sewing. This week they'll be sewing on Tuesday and Thursday. Again, we're getting everything ready 
uh, for the back-to-school event. Uh, thousands of masks will be needed this year, so we appreciate your help in that. We're also helping to sew some for the college as well. So again, we appreciate everyone participating in that. Then I also want to let you know about the back-to-school event. This is something that we are so thrilled to be participating in this year. For those of you who uh, are on social media, you may have seen that I put this out yesterday. Uh, we uh, are going to, over the next five weeks, be collecting items each week. Now, you can do this one week at a time. You can do this all at one time, but I'm going to quickly go through the list, and I'll be talking to you about it every week, and we ask that you help us out. We've got to do things a little bit differently this year. In years past for the back-to-school event, we would have big, large, community-wide distribution days. We're not going to be able to do that this year for reasons you understand. So each church then is responsible for bringing in the items that they will use for their particular group of kids. We have SAGBC has uh, uh, pledged thir uh, 150 kids. Uh, 150 kids will be supplying the book bag, the shoes, and all of the supplies. So what I'm asking you to do uh, is two things. Number one, help us bring in the supplies. So next Sunday, a week from today, we're looking for packs of number two pencils and then also packs of pens, either blue or black ink. So again, packs of number two pencils and packs of pens, either uh, blue or black ink. Uh, again, I'm going to announce this every week, but I'm going to go through the list now. On June the 28th, two weeks from today, we'll be looking for paper packs, packs of paper. You can do wide-ruled or college-ruled, and then also that week we're doing highlighters. The following week will be the week of the 4th, so we'll take off that Sunday, but you can continue. We're not leaving church that Sunday. We're just not bringing stuff in that Sunday. Now, you can. I don't have anything scheduled for that Sunday. So, again, uh, we'll just not have a, a collection day that Sunday, but you can continue to bring in. July the 12th, glue sticks and crayons, the 19th, composition books, and July the 26th is sock day, the day that we will help supply the socks to go inside the tennis shoes. There's one other thing that you can help do for us. If you are interested in this, I want you to pray about it. The cost of the book bags and the shoes is $20 per kid. Now, I have to tell you, you can't go anywhere else in Henry County and get a pair of shoes for $20. But with this program, we're able to do a book bag and the cost of the tennis shoes for $20. So I want you to pray about sponsoring a kid or more kids. Some of you can do more than that. And beginning next Sunday, uh, we will uh, have already available on our online tithing system an a, a, a category that says back to school. Or you can designate on your check as well. So I want you to pray about between now and the end of July, not only helping to bring in those supplies, but then also pr uh, pray about sponsoring a kid for only $20. Renee and I have already decided we're going to do five kids. Uh, uh, we're going to sponsor five of them. So if you can help us with that, we would sure appreciate it. Then i got one more quick announcement for you this morning. Uh, we are so thankful for all the stuff that everybody does. I say this every week. Uh, this is no small feat to get all of this stuff up and ready. And uh, Brother Coffee and his crew, Brother Ken, uh, the others that help out, I can't thank enough. Uh, 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 Brother Wells, all of those that are helping to get all of this set up uh, every week. It's a blessing to me to be able to pull in, and it's done, and I'm so grateful for it. I also want to say another big thank you to uh, somebody who celebrated a birthday yesterday. Brother Daryl Hyatt is so faithful to help take care of cars here in our parking lot. We love him. Brother Daryl, happy birthday. Come get a little something from the church crowd here, buddy. Hurry, run. Don't go slow. Run, run, run. Come on, get us a song to sing, Brother Ken. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Say amen. We love you, Brother Daryl. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, buddy.
Amen. Let's all stand together one more time. Stretch them legs out. We'll stretch our lungs out on the dearest friend we ever had. We'll sing two verses of that. The dearest friend I ever had. Thank you so much. Just before uh, Kara comes to sing another song for us this morning, I want everybody to turn and take a look at Brother Handy. Wave your hand, Brother Handy. I came out this morning. Not only has that joker brought a chair, he's got a recliner with him. And then uh, Sister Tammy Joyce comes and sets up her little canopy. I told the two of them, if they bring out a big screen TV and a remote, I'm going back inside. Amen. We're glad you're here this morning. Isn't it good to be at God's house? Sing for us, Kara.
let my life be a reflection of your grace. I can't go back, but I can live for you today. There are so many things I wish I could redo. was just a show I think I'd hear rewind but I can't refill the hourglass of time so here I am use me Lord give me words to sing and say let me love let me live let me give myself away job on that song. I hope you listen to the words to that because it's so true. I think a lot of us, if we had the opportunity, would love to go back and relive a few years. Amen. Redo a few things. I said on Wednesday night when I was talking about social media, I sure am glad social media wasn't around as a kid. Amen. I'm just going to park and leave right there. Uh, but I am so glad though we cannot turn back the hands of time. We can live for God today. We can sure make today a brand new day. I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Joel, chapter number 2. We'll look at actually chapters 1 and 2. We'll look at a few verses. Book of Joel this morning, if you would, please. I'll give you a minute or two because I know that's not a book that is often preached out of. And while you're turning, I want to say a 
special thank you to somebody out in uh, social media. If you follow our church, or follow Renee, actually, uh, we don't put out much in our church that is not commented on and retweeted or reposted or reshared by a young lady that most of you have never met. Her name is Jamie Britt. Uh, Jamie is a young lady uh, born blind from Lumberton, North Carolina, that we got to know through the Wisnets and through Robin and through Kyla, and she has become an absolute dedicated uh, believer in our church and the work that we do and the calls of Christ that we stand for. And uh, I appreciate her faithfulness candidly and support of the work. So, Jamie, thank you for your constant support of the ministry here at the church. Uh, I'm sharing that with you because uh, every so often we'll get somebody who will say, I noticed Jamie. Who is Jamie? Who is Jamie? Uh, Jamie is down in Lumberton. And uh, so when you see her commenting, you make sure you comment back. She is so kind. Again, born blind but loves the Lord. And it's taking a stand for the cause of Christ. Have you found the book of Joel? Say amen. I want to, to look at verse number 15 of chapter 2 to begin with. Verse 15 of chapter 2 to begin with. Just one verse as a statement of introduction. And then we'll get into the word this morning. Joel says, alas for the day. For the day of the Lord is at hand, and a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Alas for the day. For the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence here in our parking lot this morning. God, you told us that we don't need to be inside, outside. You just told us where two or three are gathered, you'd be in the midst. And we thank you for your presence here this morning. Whether folks are listening here in the parking lot, whether they're listening in their cars, whether they're listening at home through the platforms that are available to us, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had to get into the lives of our family and friends. Lord, we've heard the singing this morning that's prepared our hearts. And we come now to the part of the hour that is so critical, not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained the foolishness of preaching as the instrument of salvation. So Lord, I'm going to say first of all, if there's anyone here today or if there's anyone who's listening today, who's never been gloriously born again, I pray that you would reach out, Lord, and send that Holy Ghost that can only do the work that the Spirit of God can do and show them their need of salvation. Lord, I pray that you would bless James today as he's preaching down at Bethel. Lord, I pray that you'd give them a great service. Lord, I pray that all of the ministers in our community that are opening up the Word of God would do so with boldness and dignity. Well, thank you. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I had a unique opportunity a couple of days ago to catch the tail end of a symposium that was being given out of Washington, D.C. There were several speakers that were there 
They were speaking about the state of education, both K-12 and higher education. They were speaking also about race relations and what's happening in our country today. And I was privileged, I say that respectfully, I was privileged to listen to one particular speaker who spoke to my heart. He was a brilliant academician. He was also a pastor. I like him because of that. He was a theologian. He pastored a very large, predominantly African-American church. And as he was called upon by our president to speak, he started speaking and the the, the goosebumps just kind of went up and down my back. He said, I'm paraphrasing just a bit, but he said, Mr. President, I've sat here today and I've listened to the conversations that are happening. I've listened to everybody's opinions about how we need to reform this and we need to reform that and how we're going to do this in the days ahead and how we're going to do that to make things better. And he said, and I quote, but I've not yet heard anybody mention the most important thing, and that is how America needs to get back to God. He said, I've sat here and I've listened and I've appreciated it and I've absorbed it, and I agree with much of what has been said But he said again, and I quote, Mr. President, listen, he said, somebody needs to go get God. Somebody needs to remember that this nation was founded on the principles of God. And he said, again, I'm paraphrasing this part, that we will never see radical reform in this country that makes any difference until we get back to one nation under God. I sat there as I was listening. Renee was actually here at the church. I had about 30 minutes until my next Zoom call. And I sat there as I was listening. And I thought, man, I'm going to amen this fellow to death. Because what he said was exactly right. Candidly, folks, America needs God. The book of Joel is a fascinating book. It is a study, if you will, upon the nation of Israel. Because the nation of Israel in Joel chapter number 1 and 2 is in dire trouble. They have experienced a whole host of problems that have led them to a great state in which they are desperately in need of God. Tragedies have surrounded them. And those tragedies have left the land of Israel destroyed and the people of Israel absolutely demoralized. But if you read the first chapter of the book of Joel, you will first of all understand that that Israel had slipped into complacency and into spiritually a drought. Let me say that again. You read the first chapter and you will understand that Israel had slipped into a state of complacency, apathy, and was experiencing what was without question a spiritual drought. Let me pause a moment and say that before there was a pandemic, before we experienced the issues of the last two weeks, our country was also on a very slippery slope of spiritual complacency and apathy towards God. And to be very candid with you, you know I don't get political, but I do wish somebody on some side of the aisle would remind us all uh, that while we can do this program and that reform and this program and that reform, uh, we still need to go and get God involved back in this country again. The book of Joel is candidly a book about judgment, but it's also a book about hope. It's a reminder uh, 
that Israel was where she was because she had turned her back on God. But it's also a reminder that God of Israel was the God of second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. So I want to give you a message this morning that I am applying to our nation. Again, this book is written to Israel, but the application I want to make this morning is to us as God's people. You see, I'm going to make a bold statement. I, I, I think a little bit of what we're, in fact, not a little bit, a lot of what we're experiencing as a nation today, we might say the same thing. Uh, perhaps God's trying to get our attention. And in fact, uh, one of the things that this African-American educator said at this summit that I listened to uh, is do we wonder uh, how long it's going to take uh, for God or how much it's going to take for God to get our attention? I'm going to steal a title that he used, which is, of course, a title of a song that we love, and I'm going to preach to you a message entitled, Somebody Go Get God. Somebody Go Get God. Three things I'm going to invite you to look at with me this morning. I want you to note, number one, the problem that Israel experienced. The problem that Israel experienced. Please turn back, if you would, to chapter number one. And let's read verse number four together. Chapter number one, verse number, I am so excited I can put sunglasses on and still see. Amen. Verse four says, that which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. That which the locust have left, the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Chapter 1, verse number 4 makes it very clear that one of the devastating aspects that Israel faced was one insect infestation after another. You understand that as an agrarian society, as a society that was dependent upon agriculture for its livelihood, as Israel's crops were destroyed, the people began to starve. Jump down to verse number 10. As if the insect infestations were not bad enough, Verse number 10 says, for the field is wasted, the land mourneth, for the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, the oil languisheth. Be ye ashamed, O you husbandmen. Howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree languisheth, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, the apple tree. Even all the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. In verse 17, the seed is rotten under their clods. The garners are laid desolate. The barns are broken down, for the corn is withered, as if the insect infestations weren't bad enough, Israel was also experiencing a severe drought. So what the insects didn't destroy, uh, the drought was burning up. What the insects had not absolutely eradicated, uh, the land uh, was now becoming barren because of the absence of rain. A drought was in the midst and now uh, the people are beginning to starve. I read one scientific journal article, and I, you, you, you can read these things and they'll say everything today, but one that I take a great deal of confidence in said, our country and indeed our world has not yet even experienced the severity of this pandemic yet. And I'm not talking about from the spread, I'm talking about from the after effects. 
They said our world will likely see hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people starve because of the inabilities that we have right now. The consequences will be long-lasting. I understand, folks, that one insect invasion had destroyed, then another insect invasion had destroyed, and now there's a drought that's destroying the land. Jump down, if you would, please, to verse 18. Notice what Scripture says. How the beasts, how do the beasts groan? The herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. The beasts of the field cry also unto thee, for the rivers of waters, look at that, for the rivers of waters are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of wilderness, insect invasions, droughts, crops destroyed. And now at the end of verse number one, it tells us that the rain had stopped. Of course, we know that's what drought means. But the sources of water were beginning to dry up, and the nation of Israel was physically in a mess. Let me say that again. The nation of Israel was physically in a mess. If you've been to the grocery store to buy meat recently, you know that we're not far removed from what's being discussed right there. What used to cost $5 for a pack of meat now costs $15. You understand uh, that our nation is now experiencing the consequences of what happens uh, when we go into a long-term lockdown. There are certainly consequences to that. I'm not getting political, I'm being blunt with you. There are economic manifestations that happen uh, when our nation is experiencing what we're going through. Notice with me, they didn't only face devastation, but they faced destruction. I'm not for the sake of time going to read it all, but if you read chapter 2, the verse 11 verses of Joel, you will find that because, listen now, because of the weakened state of the Israelites... There were countries that invaded from north and from east. Because of their uh, weakened economic, physical, mental, spiritual state, there were countries that invaded Israel and began to even steal more of their health and well-being. I'm going to pause a moment and say, you better look out, church. That's where we're heading next. Listen carefully. We're already experiencing what happens This is political, but I hope y'all will amen me. You better pause the tape a minute, Brother Coffey. I'm kidding. We're already experiencing what happens when a, quote, accident in another country permeates our country. Are you with me? Somebody say amen. Understand, folks, uh, that we face devastation. uh, They face destruction. And if that wasn't bad enough, go to chapter number one, please. Let's read two more verses. We've already looked at a couple of them. Chapter 1, look at verse 14. Sanctify ye a fast, God says through the prophet Joel. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. Can I paraphrase it? Joel says, uh, get God's people together. Get the preachers, get the elders, get God's people together. Get them to the house of God. Declare a fast. Get them on their knees. Get them praying. Why? Look at verse 15. 
But we're told in verse 15 the exact reason. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. From the Almighty, uh, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Wait a minute. I thought this was because of the drought. I thought this was because of the invading enemies. I thought this was because of the locust invasions. I thought this was because of the canker worms and the palmer worms. I thought all of this was happening because that stuff happened to Israel. But verse 15 tells us that God let it happen. Verse 15 says, uh, none of this was an accident. That it was all, hear me church, that it was all designed to get Israel's attention. So that they would recognize we still need God. May I say to you this morning, I believe with all of my heart, that is smack dab where we are today. I do not believe that COVID-19 was an accident. It may have been an accident in a foreign country, but it was no accident on God's divine schedule. I don't believe anything we're facing today is an accident. There is no doubt in my mind that God is trying to, quote, ring America's bell. Trying to get our attention. You understand, folks, listen to what I'm about to say. If America does not swing back to God during this time period, it will be the first time in American history where we have faced devastating times and not swung back to God. World War I, World War II, Korean conflict, Vietnam, civil rights movement, uh, protesting, all of that that's happened in America's history, uh, 9-11, inevitably uh, we have pendulum swing back to God. But right now, I'm not sure I see that happening. Right now, uh, it it makes me wonder uh, if we're not dedicated uh, to our desire uh, for commitment instead of uh, complacency. You see, folks, uh, so many today uh, would much rather enjoy a shopping trip than go to church house. We wink at sin and we wince at the holy demands of God. Let me say that again. We close our eyes to sin and we pretend like the demands of God don't exist. Understand this morning uh, that the church uh, has oftentimes uh, stopped being a place that preaches on sin uh, and has become a place uh, of a social gathering uh, where people are made to feel good about their sins. Understand, folks, uh, that there used to be a day uh, not too long ago uh, when men were full of the power of God uh, and they would step into a pulpit uh, and preach what thus saith the Word of God uh, and the Spirit of God would convict hearts uh, and sin would be confessed. Uh, I'm not seeing tons of that happening right now. And I submit to you this morning, please don't think I'm being callous or out of line, but let me say, If America doesn't turn back to God, the worst is yet to come. If we don't find ourselves as a nation getting closer to God, then we are on the beginning of the spiritual drought this nation will face. Probably shouldn't surprise us, for after all, Timothy is told by Paul in the last days, perilous. Times shall come. I'm on the border now of saying, even so, Lord Jesus, just come on, get us out of here. Number one this morning, number one, the problem Israel experienced. 
Number two, I want you to note with me, the plea that Israel expressed. The plea that Israel expressed. Let me stop by saying if I had to end this message right now, it would be awfully discouraging and depressing. If I were to close up the Bible and say that was the end of it, uh, this would be a sad, sorry message. But I am so glad uh, with God there is always hope. I am so glad uh, that with God there is always a group of people uh, who will stand boldly and say, uh, we're on the Lord's side. I want you to note with me, as expressing this plea, there is a plea for repentance. Please go to chapter 2, verse number 12. Go to chapter 2, verse number 12. Because I want you to see what God expresses to the nation of Israel. Here's what he tells them to do. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Look at this. And rend your heart, not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil, who knoweth if he will return and repent, and leave a blessing beyond him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. God tells the Israelites... Don't rend your garments as an outward expression of mourning. Don't just rend your garments, but rend your heart. He said to Israel, you just don't need an outward change. You need an inside change that will draw you back to the God that created you. May I say to you this morning that God is still looking for people who are broken over sin. I challenge you today to find half a dozen preachers on the television that even preach about the word sin. I'm not being unkind, uh, but I am being blunt this morning. Uh, God did not call us to avoid sin. Uh, God calls us to attack sin uh, so people can be called out of sin. Understand this morning, God is still looking for people who will be sorrowful over their sins, uh, looking for people uh, who are willing to repent. uh, And I submit to you that applies to this nation and our churches. Go to verse 17, if you would. Same chapter. For not only is there a plea for repentance, there is a plea for restoration. You see, the preachers aren't left out of this either. Verse 17 says, Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord... Weep before the, between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare thy people, O Lord. Give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? God tells the nation of Israel, That the spiritual leaders need to come back to him. God desperately wants his people to seek his face and to understand, listen, that there should not, I hope you'll amen, that there should not be anything the least bit controversial about saying, I love God. My son, 
sent me a text this week that absolutely pierced my heart. He's in the job application business now. Most of you know he's getting his degree in education and ministry. He's pursuing a jobs in the education world. And he sent me an inbox or a text message this week, and he said, Dad, because I'm going into public education, does that mean I say a word in social media about God? Does that mean that I have to remove every reference to God at the risk of not being employed? I want you to just park a minute and think about that. What an astounding question to have to ask in America. Where every piece of money that you pull out of your pocket says, in God we trust. Where we stand and give pledge of allegiance uh, to one nation under God. But we're so afraid today of being controversial that we're afraid to even mention God publicly out of fear of retribution. I submit to you that's exactly where we are. When God has become controversial, God help us. Where somebody saying, I'm a Christian, has become controversial, God help us. God tells Israel that there needs to be a plea for repentance. There needs to be a plea for restoration. I submit to you this morning that what we as a nation need to be doing is the exact same thing. God, we're sorry for our sins. We're begging you to restore us back into your favor. So what happens if that occurs? I said to you a moment ago that there was hope. Because we go from the problem, the plea, to the promise that Israel enjoyed. The promise that Israel enjoyed. If they will come back to him. If they will repent of their sins. If they'll be restored to grace in the Almighty. If they'll turn their back on their waywardness. God promises that it is not too late. Aren't you thankful for that? Psalm tells us, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That's a reminder to us, folks, uh, that it is not too late uh, for America to go get God back into our mindset. What will happen? Look, if you would, at verse 18, please. Chapter 2, verse 18. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. What does that mean? The Lord will be jealous for his land. You understand that to be jealous is to say, that's mine, you can't have it. We often think of jealousy in a negative context. Uh, but in this case, uh, what God is saying is, if you repent, uh, if you restore, uh, if you put me back uh, into the place I rightfully belong, uh, I will look at you and have pity uh, and will say to the enemy, that's mine and you can have it. Man, I wish God would do that for our country. Notice uh, verse number 19, please. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you a reproach 
among the heathen. But I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate and with the face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea and his stink shall come up, his ill savor shall come up because he hath done great things. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things. If I'm reading this right, Basically, what God says is, if y'all will do what's right, I'll do my part. Basically, what God said is, if you'll do what's right, leave the rest to me. And I'm afraid, folks, we've got that flipped on its head. We think we're supposed to be God, question God, uh, do God's part, uh, and then we wonder why he won't fix the mess we've created. But I think I'm reading this right, uh, and the application is still the same. If we uh, will do our part, uh, what does the Bible tell us? Uh, if my people, uh, which are called by my name, uh, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven uh, and will restore their land. He promises that if they'll do their part, there's restoration. But I want you to notice verse 23 of chapter 2. Such an important part. Notice with me what it says. Verse 23 says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and will cause... To come down for you the, 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 the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors uh, shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. Uh, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. The canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent unto you. In case there was any question as to whether or not God allowed this to happen, he says, not only did I allow it to happen, I sent it to you to get your attention. He said, I sent the palmer worm, the canker worm, I sent the army, I sent all of that to get your attention. But if you'll do your part, if you'll turn around, if you'll come back, I'll get rid of the army. I'll restore in five minutes what it took five years to abandon. But then he says, I'll send the former and the latter rain. You understand, folks, that water is a type of what, church? Holy Spirit. We don't really understand in our modern 21st century society what it means by former rain and latter rain. So let me explain it to you. The calendar year in Israel doesn't start in January. It starts in April. The first month of the year is Nisan. It's the month of Passover. That began the calendar year for Israel. So the former rains would be the rains based upon planting harvest season that would come in October and November that would prepare the soil for planting. But the latter rains would be the rains that would come after the seed had been planted. What's the application? God promised, if you'll do your part, I'll send the waters of heaven to pour out blessings upon the whole land. We sing that song, send the rain. 
You understand this morning, folks, what we're playing, praying for is not just physical rain, but spiritual rain. We need, as a nation, we need as churches, we need as families, we need as individual church members to get back to the point where send the rain doesn't just mean showers of blessing, but it means filling us with the presence of God. Last point and I'm done. Turn with me, if you would, please, to verse 26. Chapter 2, verse 26 says, And ye shall eat in plenty. And be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. Can we say amen to that? You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. If I can paraphrase it. God says, you do your part, I'll do my part, I'll be in the midst of you, I'll take care of all of this, and everybody will stand back and say, look what God has done. Look at what God has done. So I'm going to close this morning with a simple thought. I often like American spirituality to a pendulum. And when crises happens, uh, our pendulum tends to swing back towards one nation under God. Some of you have seen it happen time and time again. I've mentioned this a few times in my lifetime. The thing that seemed to make it happen the fastest was 9-11. Some of you remember, I had only been pastoring just a few weeks when 9-11 occurred. And churches all over the world flung their doors open and certainly all over this country and people flooded and began praying for God to bless our nation again. Democrats and Republicans stood on the Capitol steps and sang, God bless America. Nearly 20 years later, America's facing another crisis. And here's my heart. I'm afraid the pendulum's not swinging to God, but further away from God. Because now, instead of Democrats and Republicans linking arms and saying, God bless America, we're even afraid to mention God in a public setting. What a staggering 20-year change that is. But here's the reality. There is still hope. And I'm going to be blunt with you. It's not who is going to get the presidency. It's not who. Now look, I'm not telling you not to vote. You better get out and vote in November. I got a little bit of conspiracy. Never mind. You better get out and vote in November. But you hear me this morning. Uh, it is God uh, that's in control of all of this. God makes it very clear he sent the invasions, uh, he sent the armies, uh, and he can get rid of all of it. Uh, he can get rid of the insects. Uh, he can get rid of every bit of it. Uh, I submit to you uh, that when our nation uh, mocks people for praying, uh, we're in dire consequences. Uh, but keep on praying anyway. So I'll end this morning by quoting again with that brilliant educator and pastor said on Thursday, somebody needs to go get God. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Brother Ken, come get us a song to sing. All over.
Brother Ken's going to sing us a verse, and I'm going to invite you where you are to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you just to spend a few moments with me in prayer for our country, for the leadership of our country, and for the direction that our country has got to take in order to be sustained by the hand of God. Brother Ken, sing for us. chorus with us. You can be seated. Ushers, if I can get you all to come down quickly this morning. I got so excited last week <laughs> over announcing Lydia and Nick's baby. I did the unthinkable. I forgot to collect the offering. Amen. I got a phone call from my ordination committee last week. They said they were going to revoke my papers. So we're going to do double today. Fellas, pass this around. God bless the offering. Thank you for those that have been so faithful to give to our church in Christ's name. Amen.